Hello and welcome to I Want to Like You, a weekly podcast from Real Simple about how to handle the irritating people in your life with goodwill and grace. I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop. I'm the editor of Real Simple. And with me today are Glenn Glasser, who is a photographer who regularly shoots for magazines such as New York Magazine, Real Simple, I will say. And he's produced campaigns for commercial clients like Saatchi & Saatchi, Creative Artists Agency, and Walmart. Also today, we've got Larry Gleason, who is a public speaking coach who works with both business and corporate clients, and he is an acting teacher and coach at the Circle in the Square Theater School in New York City. So, Glenn and Larry, welcome. Thank you. So today, we are talking about boring people. And we're going to try, the three of us, super hard not to be boring ourselves, although (laughs) I have a pretty good sense that neither Larry nor Glenn is boring at all. I, you know, I like to believe in life that actually there are no boring people. It's very hard for me to believe that any human being you meet is boring. I think there are people who hide the interesting parts of themselves, maybe more than others. But, you know, sometimes when you get stuck in a conversation with somebody – or when I, I guess I, I guess that you was I, when I get stuck in a conversation with somebody and it's so painful, my belief that no one in the world is actually really boring is really, really tested. So I guess my first question to both of you is, do you think there really is such a thing as a boring person? I think that's a, that's a tough question to really answer because at times I think we desire to be boring, to remove ourselves from public obligations and the spotlight and, and really, really escape and, and wear jammies and, and watch a marathon of law and order. And to me, that's, that's something that can be desirable. I've, I've spent time with some celebrities and I, I think that sometimes they, they desire to kind of be out of the public spotlight. And when I meet people in a day-to-day life, they don't realize how interesting they are. And I think there's this misconception of, of what boring actually is. Mm. Um, so I, I think it's, it's a really fine line. I, I don't think that there are really any boring people. I think we just don't realize what, what things we have to offer to others. Okay, Larry, what do you think? Do you yeah, think I there might are be boring a people? controversial here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually do think some people are boring, and but I think <laughs> Glenn is is cl- I'm kind of close to what Glenn says that it, people choose to be boring, or else they it's their the place that they're coming from. Maybe you know th- their particular mores and things like that, where they were brought up. They may not even realize it, but they just may be reticent and they they hold back. But every once in a while, you meet someone who just doesn't want to participate. They'd rather be withdrawn, and there's nothing really you can do about it. Uh, fortunately, I'm in, involved in a lot of the, th- you know, in theater. So right. uh, everyone is, no one's boring in theater. So it, <laughs> in fact, I want to come work with you. <laughs> it, it's, all, it's all you can do to squelch it. So it, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I guess I was going to say, I, maybe for the purposes of this conversation, we should define what boring is. Like I, So, Glenn, your example of, I just want to be in my pajamas and watch mm-hmm. Law & Order, that's not mm-hmm. boring. That's, I need some downtime. Like, I'm talking about, like, when you're sitting next to somebody at a dinner table, you know, or you're having lunch with a business acquaintance, at, or you're talking to somebody at a cocktail party, and you think, oh, my God, like, I can't 
like give me something to work with here. You know what I mean? Like right. they're, they're and I don't know if that's as you were saying, Larry, reticence or just somebody who really just has nothing to say. But it's hard for me to believe that underneath there's not something there. I agree with Larry here. I think people just choose not to engage um, for, for the most part. You know, I, I think a lot of people who do come to me, uh, especially on the professional side, you know, uh, business people, people in the financial world, they actually choose jobs where they don't, they know they don't have to engage. They mm-hmm. like being where they are. They like being the accountant. They like their cubicle. They mm-hmm. like their mm-hmm. space. And mm-hmm. then suddenly they get promoted and their boss says, by the way, you have to do presentations. You have to meet so-and-so. I need you to report to the higher-ups. I need mm-hmm. you to go to San Francisco and do a conference. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, it's they're out of their comfort zone. They've been brought out of a place where they no longer are safe. And then they call me or they call someone or they call their therapist. I don't know. But they, ha- they need to th- – a lot of people do choose and avoid those kinds of, of places. So if you meet them in the elevator or if you, you know, you, Kristen, sit down next to them at lunch, mm-hmm. they're kind of in that mode already. And in a way, it's up to us, the people who love to engage with people, to reach out to them, to, mm-hmm. to move that, that conversation forward. Even in my in my building, you meet people on the elevator who just don't want to talk. They just want to be in their own space. But, you know, it's the weather. It's their clothes. There's something you get to know about them that's really interesting. And all of a sudden, they just open up. So I think some people choose to be that way. But if you, if you can steer it, the conversation in, in, in the right way suddenly people will open up, even if they just give you little short blasts. But eventually, you'll hook onto something, and then you may have trouble saying, okay, I got to go now. (laughs) Lunch (laughs) is over. I have to go back to work. And all of a sudden, you've opened them up. So I want to talk for – and, Glenn, I want to get to your work in a second because I know I've seen your work, and I don't know how you do what you do in terms of getting people to express themselves in front of the camera sometimes. But, but Larry, so when when you're working with an executive, a business executive – so let's take actors out of it because we already know actors are not at all boring, right? But so when you are – (laughs) (laughs) When you're working as a coach to help that person who had the very safe job where they never had to say anything and they've gotten promoted and now they have to basically acquire a whole new set of skills, right? That's right. What – how do you – how do you get them to feel comfortable? Like, A, I'm totally fascinated that that people – you know, want that life where they never have to kind of say anything or put themselves out there, right? But I guess that's why I host a podcast and they don't. Um, <laughs> but but B, like how do you make them feel – how do you make them blossom in that way when they need to professionally? By the time they're coming to me, as long as they haven't been sent by someone else, they've already they've already pulled down their little bit of resistance because they're reaching out. And mm-hmm. what I've got to do, what I've got to do is try to 
I interview them, try to get to know them a little bit so I can understand their interests and things like that. I like to see how they're organized in their speaking, and I break that down. And for the most part, that's what it is. They really don't know how to formulate an argument. They really don't know how to formulate a point of view. So their way of dealing with forming a point of view is not to have one because they're so afraid of expressing themselves that it might come out wrong. So what I've Mm -hmm. got to do is give them a scaffold a platform at something very crystal clear that they can follow they can put it i have a little diagram they can just stick it up in their cubicle they can stick it up next to their desk they look at that small easy to remember diagram and they 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 plug everything into that and it's vi- and it's very very simple and mm. suddenly i can ask them anything after a couple of sessions i can ask them anything and they can come back to me with a cogent argument they can come back to me with an answer to something and that's really the dialogue that starts it becomes this is what i think and here is why i think that and then they're right. able to express themselves and the next thing they go oh this is not so bad after all i can do this do you mm-hmm. see what i mean so now yeah. you've taken an un- you've taken a boring person and made them unboring that's like magic. <laughs> well, um, you know, it comes from theater because you have to remember you you do have to you your body is an instrument and you have to convey you have it you have information and you have mm-hmm. to give away that information. And the only thing that's stopping you is your own instrument. If you can clear the instrument, that in that information just flows right through you and right out. That's what an actor does. So I try to try to take that process and apply it to business people, non-actors, yeah. in a way that they can understand it. Okay, so speaking of the body of an, as an instrument, Glenn, that's your bread mm-hmm. and butter, right? So when you, as a photographer, ha- you know, you shot a story for Real Simple about laughter. We were doing a story about laughter, <laughs> and right. you shot members of the Real Simple staff laughing. And some people laughed very readily, as I recall, some had a harder right. time, but you've, you know, you've shot countless people over the years. You know, some volunteer probably to be shot by you, as in the case of the <laughs> laughter story, but others don't have no choice. So how do you, when you get a person who's kind of closed off, how do you get them to open up? Well, I, my, my approach for this is very similar to what was just said. I, you know, employ the, the traditional teachings of Stanislavski and, and method acting, and I really draw upon the stories that these individuals have to tell. And I sit down and I talk with them, not knowing what the the photograph is really going to look like or take shape as. And you, you hear the stories, and in conversation, you get a feel of what these people are like and what their expressions are, and they, they tend to forget that they're there, suppose, for a formal portrait. And in forgetting all of this, I hear these stories, and I can lead them at the same time into remembering how they were, how they were happy, how they were sad, how they aspired, and what their dreams are. And, and it comes through with their facial and body expressions without even realizing it. And mm-hmm. they themselves, you know, inadvertently become the actors. You know, they're playing the part, or at least they're playing my part. And mm-hmm. I'm given free reign to really pull these strings and ask them anything that I want to ask them. And, and more often than not, they divulge things that they wouldn't even tell their, their partner or their spouse. And it, it's, a quite, it's quite a liberating experience to really encounter this and, and to watch the transformation of these individuals go from 
this self-perceived notion of being boring to really realizing who they are and what they've done and what they've felt and, and to put these individuals on pedestals and capture them in that moment of, of self-grandeur is, is mm-hmm. really what I live for and really what I love to photograph these individuals like. Uh, in the case of the, the laughter experiment, that was, that was uh, it employed a lot of different techniques from just catching these individuals off guard to uh, saying things to making noises to really just distracting them to the point where they didn't realize what the moment was and just being prepared to push the button. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was really what it was. And it was, it was a great, great experiment to, to be a part of. Do you, when you think about all the people you've photographed over the years, is there any one particular subject that comes to mind where you felt like it was a tough nut to crack and you were able to do it? I was in Texas down in Odessa a couple of years ago, and I was really enamored with the story of Friday Night Lights. I'm sure we'd heard of it, seen the movie or seen the television show, and I really wanted to find the people that the stories were based upon. So I spent a week or so down in Odessa, and I finally found this gentleman, Joe Bean, who at the time, I think he was in his mid to late 20s, and during one of the games, he suffered an injury and he became paralyzed from the neck down. Mm. And, and I was faced with this, this gentleman who, who was confined to a wheelchair for the rest of his life. He was kind of heavy set and was dependent upon others to really do the daily chores and, and really get by. And I, I really didn't know what, what to ask him. And in these, these moments, you really remove that filter from your head and you just go ahead and you, you ask him the questions that you want to, because this is your shot. And I think I asked him when was the darkest time in his life and asked him, you know, if he ever thought about ending it and what his thoughts are in life. And he came back with this beautiful answer. I think he said something to the fact where the darkest time in his life was when he had everything. He mm. was this, this, he was this college senior. He had multiple girlfriends. He was the jock. He, he was the life of the party. And not until after his injury did he really realize his worth to inspire others. And because of his injury, he was given this immense platform to preach from and to Mm -hmm. really, really promote change and to cause others to to really think about their own lives and and what they want to do with them. And he he was a truly inspiring person that I never really thought about uh, his story until I met him. Wow. Well, and clearly he made a big impact on you because that was a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. Well, so Larry, how about you? When you think about the people, again, not actors, but when you think about sort of reticent executives you've coached over the years, Mm -hmm. is there one particular really tough case that you felt like you were able to really help that you want to describe? Yeah, I I think one of the, the toughest cases was something that I just finished um, I really had a woman was coming from London from Credit Suisse, and she was coming to a conference. Again, one of these people who have been in one position and now were being bumped up. And um, she had to face a, a conference and be on the panel and then do a Q&A afterwards. And she was petrified. And I only had maybe one or two sessions with her. So I kind of had to nail it. Because <laughs> mm. <laughs> suddenly I feel like this is the challenge. Rise to the challenge. 
Mm-hmm. And um, when she came in, she really, and I found out she only had two questions to answer. She, and her answers were about 30 seconds apiece. And she was flying all the way to London. And she was, you know, to, to do this. Yeah. And yet she felt frozen. Absolutely. And, and she admitted that she was like a, she was milk toast, that she was, mm-hmm. you know, plain bread and butter. There was nothing, you know, to her. And after a long, you know, trying this and trying that and just running out of time, it suddenly dawned on me that she, was, she wasn't giving herself power. And I said, well, how can I give this woman power? How can I make her feel power? And then I said, who do you admire? And she said, the queen. And I said, you're the queen. You're Queen mm-hmm. Elizabeth. Now tell me your, <laughs> now give me your speeches. And I said, sit in front of your chair, sit up, sit like the queen and and tell them what they want. And all of a sudden, her voice came out of her. She just Mm -hmm. sat straight up and she was powerful. And I said, I'll listen to that all day long. I don't want to listen to that other person. And then she did the conference a couple of days later and she wrote back to me and she said, I was a queen. And I I just thought, nailed it. I, I was just, it's perfect. But mm. everyone's different. You have to find what brings them out, you know. And if you're really yeah. listening to them, and as they're talking, and uh, just like Glenn said, you got to bring, you got to find out what makes them cook, and then bring that out. It, that it will come out, and you just have to, you just have to find it. I think the best thing about our jobs is that we become empathetic, and we feel their joys and their sadnesses as they go through it, and help them mm-hmm. help them through it. Right, and we feel their agony too as they're mm-hmm. trying to come out, you know, and trying yeah. to get there, because we we know what it's like. I guess maybe in earlier in our lives, where we 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 couldn't do it ourselves, and now we mm-hmm. have found a way. So it's kind of like you're just waving your hand, going over here, do it this way, come on <laughs> along, you know. And 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 when they get it, it, it there's such a. I think that's that thing about teaching. It's uh, you just feel so great when someone gets it and you see yeah. the light bulb go off and and you know that they can't go backwards because it was such a it was such an important moment in their life. OK, so one last question for you both, taking it back maybe more to the everyday and and using what you do professionally to think about everyday interaction. Mm-hmm. If you are faced, Larry, you, you use the example of the person on the elevator yeah. and who, you know, gives you nothing and then they suddenly blossom. If you're faced with someone in kind of an everyday interaction and you want to help, you want to draw them out, do you have any, just any sort of key tips that you could give? Is it simply just ask them a lot of questions and, and wait to wait? So you finally ask them the right question or are there any tricks that our listeners can use? Yeah, I, I think compliments. I think people oh. love, love compliments. That's a lovely sweater. Don't you look – you look great today. Is Are you wearing new glasses? Just mm-hmm. anything. And even if they're not, they, they kind of come out. If you know that, say, in your building – that there's been trouble in the building, say there was the fire drill that nobody pays any attention to. And then you go, how did you like that stupid fire drill again? And all of a sudden, <laughs> they go, oh, yeah, wasn't that – do you guys pay attention? No, we don't pay any attention. And all of a sudden, you've got them. So it yeah. really is – it's just – it's really just trying to figure out what what it is. But many times – I think that's what Amway people do. That's what Shackley people do. They they mm. tell you compliment somebody immediately, and that brings them out. So I guess if it works for them, 
for the multi-level uh, marketing people. I think it, yeah. can, it, can, it can happen in, <laughs> in everyday life. I think people want to be complimented. I, want, I think they want to be noticed. And when you yeah. do notice them, and, and if they don't want to be noticed, you leave them alone. It's not, it's not an yeah. issue. But if they want to, I think compliments are a great way to begin. Okay, Glenn, how about you? I couldn't agree more with that. Um, I would only include keep it genuine. Keep keep it as something that you really want to know about. Don't just ask questions to ask questions. Ask questions that you want to know answers to. Don't be afraid to look people in the eye. Don't be afraid to engage them. And if if you're not interested or they're not interested, don't be afraid to disengage. For me, it's all about fear or lack thereof and and really, you know, again, complimenting the person and, and noticing that, that they want to be noticed. I mean, they're out in public as well, and they've, they've put together an outfit and they presented themselves in a certain way with their affectations, and to just pick up on that mm-hmm. and to, to really, really get a better feel of, of who they are because that's, that's why we're here. Okay, so I want to compliment my two excellent guests, photographer Glenn Glasser and public speaking coach Larry Gleason. I know I didn't compliment you, though, to make you, like, come out of your shells. I just wanted to say thank you for being such excellent guests. (laughs) Thank you, Kristen. I appreciate it very much. So that's it for this week's episode of I Want to Like You. Our producer is Tim Einenkel. Please let us know what you think of the show. Our Twitter handle is at Real Simple, or you can tweet ideas for this podcast directly to me at KVanOgtrop. For more on irritating people and how to handle them, go to realsimple.com. And of course, subscribe to us in iTunes. For Glenn Glasser and Larry Gleason, I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop. Thanks for joining us.